I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter number 18 is where we're going to be in just a moment. And I know this morning that uh, this may be somewhat of a familiar passage of Scripture for some of you. Uh, others maybe not so much. Uh, but I'm sure that as we go along, you will probably hear some things that you have heard before. But I pray that we will not tune out this morning just because, well, we've heard that before, but I pray that we'd have an ear to hear and be attentive to what the Lord is saying because I do feel like that the Lord has something for us to share with you this morning. And uh, I have a lot of things in front of me that I, I would like to get to, um, but I, to be honest with you, we was, we was here uh, burning the midnight oil last night and back this early this morning and just I really am dependent upon the Holy Spirit this morning to guide me in what I should say and what I should not say uh, and uh, so I would covet your prayers this morning as well as we try to deliver that which the Lord has given us First uh, Kings chapter number 18 beginning in verse number 1 if you're able to stand for the reading of the word I know you just sat down but we want you to get Get, uh, get able to honor the word. If you're not able to, I totally understand. So uh, don't feel bad if you need to remain seated this morning. But we're going to read through this chapter. going to jump through it just a little bit this morning. And uh, if the Lord would help me for a few moments, I want to minister to you today for a little while on preparing for rain. 1 Kings chapter number 18, verse number 1. And it come to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Verse number 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and we'll call on the name of your gods, and I'll call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Verse number 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Verse number 36. And it come to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell 
and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, I come before you today asking you for the next few moments to enter into this room by and through your Holy Spirit where hearts would be touched, challenged, and changed and encouraged. I pray that a freshness of your Holy Spirit would settle upon me as I deliver that which you have placed in my heart for this time. Help me, Lord, not to speak anything that is not in alignment with your word. Lord, I pray that I would decrease so that you would increase. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. For those of you that are familiar with this passage of Scripture, you know that I jumped through much of this story, but we will go back in and fill in some of the gaps as we go along today. It is clear today that as a nation, we find ourselves in a serious crisis. The very thing that Paul wrote about to Timothy We are currently witnessing, but not only witnessing, but we are currently living in. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1 through verse number 5. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. But notice what Paul said to Timothy at the end, from such turn away. The need for spiritual wisdom and fortitude is desperately needed today as we find ourselves walking in this hour. However, we are not the first generation or the first men of faith and women of faith to ever experience what we are experiencing today. In the book of Ephesians chapter number six, beginning in verse number 12, you will find that Paul is not writing to the world, but he is writing to the church at Ephesus. And notice what he says to them. You are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I tell you that has not changed, but that is what we're battling against today. That is why there is such a spirit of heaviness in our world this morning. That's why some of you feel like you've been just pressure down because it's not that you have done anything wrong per se. It's not because that you're out partaking in sinful acts, but it's because of the hour and the season in which we are living is where there is such an intense spiritual warfare that is taking place. But Paul did not just address that this is what we're fighting against. But he clearly states that there is a recipe for success against it. 
And you find it in the following verse, verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Can I tell you this morning, it's time for some men and women to stand. But we cannot stand unless we are fully clothed in the armor of the Lord. It is clear without a doubt that we are in an evil day. It is time for us to once again make the decision to put on the armor of God. This begins by you and I doing that which Elijah did when he encountered Ahab. As many of you know, Ahab was an evil king and he led Israel into a season of great darkness and hardship and difficulty, which led them to experiencing a time of famine. Nothing was growing, nothing was blooming, and no water was flowing. And that's where we picked up the story in 1 Kings chapter number 18. But in order for us to understand Chapter number 18, we must first go backwards in order to go forward. And you will find that in chapter number 16 of the book of 1 Kings, you will find that it says in verse number 33 that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that was ever before him. So who is this man? What is his motivation and what is he really about? So the question is, who was this king named Ahab? Stay with me this morning as I just give you a brief look at his life. Ahab was one in a line of an increasingly evil king in Israel's history. Starting with the reign of Jeroboam, King Ahab it did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him, as I just read to you in chapter number 16. But among the events of his life that is, that is given to us, we find that what led to his downfall and part of the reasoning that he became who he was was because of his decision to become willing to take a pagan wife by the name of Jezebel. He married a particular lady that had a great hatred towards the people of God. We know this in 1 Kings chapter number 18 and verse number 4, we find that for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord. There was such a hatred that this particular woman had. She was someone that had given herself to Baal worship. She was someone that realized that uh, the God of the universe was in direct contrast and conflict with what she was worshiping, which was nothing more than the kingdom of darkness. It was a religion that was filled with demonic power and presence. And therefore, as Ahab joined himself with her, we find that because of his marriage to this pagan woman, that Ahab, the king of Israel, the chosen people of God, he devoted himself to become one that worshiped false gods such as Baal and Asheroth. In Israel, we find that he began to become so deviled that in a place called Samaria, 
he actually went in the land that God deeded to Israel, to the children of Israel, and he defiled it in a manner that nobody else had, and he built a house of worship, not for God, but for Baal. Now, we find that in this time of his life, Ahab was countered by the prophet Elijah. I want to say to you this morning that do not be discouraged by the evil that you may see. Do not be discouraged by the darkness that may be seeming to abound because I have to remind you this morning that God always has a man. He always has a woman that is willing to stand up and be counted for the sight of right. But Ahab began to be in conflict with the man of God. And we find that because of his evilness and because of his behavior, there is the arrival of Elijah on the scene in chapter number 17 where he comes along and he simply says that there will be no rain until I say it will rain. Now, when you begin to read through this story, you will find that after he gives this word that comes from the Lord himself saying that there will be no more rain, we find that the Lord instructs him, and most of you are probably familiar that he was instructed to go hide himself by the brook called Cherith. And he stayed there until the brook dried up because there was no rain, there was nothing moving, there was nothing happening. But then the Lord sent him down to a place called Zarephath and he stayed there with a lady that only had a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil, but the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil did not fail. But then we find that as he continued to follow the leading of the Lord, the Lord took him on this journey. And during this time, this three and a half year period of time, Ahab knew who had delivered the word that said it will not rain. And when you begin to read through this story, you will find that in that three and a half year period, Ahab had sent men to every nation, to every region, trying to find this man by the name of Elijah that said it's not gonna rain. And you will find that upon his arrival and his return in chapter number 18, that he has an encounter with a man by the name of Obadiah. And he was a man of God. He was a man that understood the value of, of the prophets of God and the voice of God. And he, while he still served under Ahab, he had taken a hundred prophets and hid them and cared for them when Jezebel had slaughtered all of the voice of the Lord. But he come in contact and he ran into Elijah and he knew who he was. And he said, is this the man of God, and he said, this is who I am. And he says, go tell Ahab to meet me today. And he says, we've looked for you for three and a half years and nobody's been able to find you. If I go tell him that you're here and I bring him back and you're not here, it's going to cost me my life. But Ahab simply said this, be assured I will meet him. And you know the story. They arrive at Mount Carmel. And as they arrive at Mount Carmel, you find that he begins to stand before this evil, vile man who has given himself to idolatry, has given himself to false worship, has given himself to evil. 
And immediately evil says these words. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Verse number 17, chapter number 18. But Elijah said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. He said, now therefore send and gather all of the people. Bring the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. Bring them to the top of the mountain. We are going to have a discussion today. And this was a day like no other. Notice with me as Elijah comes and all of the people are there. He simply says to them, how long will you halt between these two opinions? You have been taught, you know the truth, but yet at the same time you've been sucked in by the lies of the enemy. And now you're trying to have it both ways. You're going to have to make a decision of who you're going to be. Notice, as Ahab begins to blame Elijah for bringing trouble on Israel, things begin to unfold very rapidly. Ahab begins to experience something in this moment that he was not expecting. Ahab witnesses and watches the man of God come on the scene and says this to them. I want the 450 prophets of Baal to come and you pick out a bullock and I'll take the other one. And we're going to have an open display of who God really is. Now, you can pick the one that you would like and you can take the wood and put it on the altar and you can cut the flesh and you can prepare it as you always do. But this time you got to ensure you can't put any fire under it. There can't be anything under it because back in that day, the, the magicians and, and those that was involved in falsehood that wanted to make a display like they had, had power that they did not possess would often have little flickering flame under those sacrifices and they would come and they would have some flammable dust-like particles and as they would do their chants and their dances, they would then do that when nobody was watching and it would appear that there would be a fire that would consume the offerings that was there. And people was really deceived by this false display of power. And Elijah had insight by the power of God, and he simply said, there can be no flickering flame under that sacrifice. And therefore, he then took the other bullock and said, I will do the same and put no fire under it. You say, I've heard this story multiple times, preacher. Why is it so important today? Please hear me. You know the story. They began to pray. They began to scream and shout they began to jump on the altar through the morning through the noonday and they became so enraged that there was nothing happening as the prophets of Baal that they began to cut themselves and they began and we find that the prophet begins to say is he far off is he not able to hear and all of these things and nothing happened but then we find at the time of the evening sacrifice after all day of nothing, a lot of drama, a lot of dramatic activity, a lot of display and a lot of noise, but there was no fire falling. We find that Elijah comes and calls the people to him and he simply says, just pay attention. Just 
watch for a little while. We don't read of great noise. We don't read of great activity other than the fact that he simply began to repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And upon doing that, he then took the wood and laid it in order. And then he took the flesh of that bullock and laid it in order. And he wanted to make it very clear that if something happened when he prayed, that it was not any trickery or anything that man had done. So he sends them to get four barrels of water out of the ocean. And then they get four more. And then they get four more. And they, 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 they saturate everything in such a manner that the trench is even full. And then as we read this morning, as he began to pray, he simply said, Lord, let this be a day when the people know who you are. And we find in our reading this morning that there was an answer that was delivered. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And the people said, the Lord, he is God. Now, we know this this morning. As I said a moment ago, much of the decisions that Ahab made was due to the desire that he had to please his wife, Jezebel. Due to his marriage, we see that he becomes so devoted that he erected this temple this house of worship. But you have to realize where he, where he erected it. In chapter number 16, verse 30 through 33, we find in verse number 32 that he built this house for Baal. He built it in Samaria. Okay? Now, let me take you back to 1 Kings chapter number 18 just for a moment. And read to you verse number one and verse number two. And it come to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came unto Elijah in the third year saying, go show thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab and there was a sore famine. Where? In Samaria. Notice. When a house was erected to Baal. In Samaria, it began to change the culture of that area in such a way that God said, I will no longer allow things to continue as they are. God began to bring selective judgment on the land in that moment because of what men was participating in. Now, we find that after three and a half years, the man that had been silent, the man that had not been seen, reemerges and he returns. And he returns with a message that God is going to bring rain on the earth. But he comes to Samaria where it's desolate, where it's dry, where everything is seeming to be over. And we find that he begins to address the issue. Is it ironic that the place where Baal worship is is the place of famine? No life, no prosperity, no growing, no developing. Can I tell you this morning that we are in a place right now where we are dealing 
with an open display of Baal worship. I want you to hear me this morning. But this is not doom and gloom. Because every time there has been this level of display of arrogance and evil, you have got to look up and realize that there is a change that is coming. It brought desolation. It brought destruction. It was bringing death to the land. But all of a sudden, the Lord simply said, I'm bringing judgment to you, not for your destruction, but I'm bringing it for your correction. And I want to say to you this morning that while we're in the middle of great uncertainty in our nation, as well as the nations of the world, that there is a opportunity right now for the people of God to experience the supernatural of God on a manner that we have never known. And it's going to come through this season of correction that God has brought us to and that we're currently in. Notice with me this morning, we have often heard throughout the church that Jezebel is this and Jezebel is that. But notice with me, she was simply just a mere lady that had given herself to idol worship and surrendered herself to a demonic level where now we still are dealing with Ahab and Jezebel moving in a manner where Baal worship once again has come to the forefront. Why do I say that this morning? Is you will find that, and I haven't forgot the title of my message, but please stay with me. If you will look behind the title of this message, Preparing for Rain, you will see that there is a bull there. You will see that just about 15 days ago, we find that at the Commonwealth Games, it's a games that it's, a, it's an event that has been going on since the year 1930. Every four years it comes. It's almost like a mini Olympics. But we find this, that just 15 days ago, it was July 28th, 29th, uh, uh, the date exactly escapes me, but this was their opening ceremony. But if you'll show me the other picture, and we'll find that what happened, as they was getting ready to start this game, you will find that they had a group of ladies uh, with chains, uh, and they begin the other picture, I'm sorry, there's one more in there, I believe, with them, with the, there it is. We find right there, this was as the big arena filled with many people. They come in 15 days ago and they usher and they come and bring down the lights and they bring in this 30 foot tall mechanical bull. And we find that women, uh, the keepers of the chains began to pull this thing into this uh, great arena. People are applauding. You will notice on the top of this bull, there is a lady that's sitting on it. Uh, you will also find that if you go and watch the video, you go back to the other picture, you will find that in the midst of this whole ceremony, you will find that she's sitting there. And as she's sitting there, and, and, and this is symbolic, and you will find in the other picture, uh, as they come in, that they then had other performers that come where they began to take a piece off of this bull, uh, and that was the picture you showed just a moment ago. If we can go back to that just for a moment, that as part of that bull that they took off, they dismantled while it was in this opening ceremony, and then we find that if you watch the video, you will find that then men and women, performers, began to insert 
circle this bull and they begin to bow down and they begin to dance. And when that first comes in, this raging bull is moving in all different manners. Uh, but then as the people begin to bow down in this ritual or this ceremony, all of a sudden this raging bull becomes calm. And the, the, the orators of the articles that you may read, some will simply say, well, it was because of the, the uniting of the people towards the bull that that's what caused it to become calm. Can I tell you that this is an open display of what ancient Israel did and we find that there's nothing new under the sun but you will find that there is such a demonic element uh, and there is such a demonic boldness uh, and you will find that evil men uh, that are walking with the spirit of Ahab upon them uh, are doing things that normally would not be done. Just a few years ago we would have never, I understand culture dances and things like that uh, that goes with culture. I've experienced those things in parts of the world that we've traveled uh, but the, 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 the blatant display uh, of what has been brought and put down our mouths uh, and been force fed every day of our lives uh, has got to be dealt with uh, and this morning I, I, I know that this may seem a little strange but when I began to look at the story and I began to follow this, I began to realize in my spirit uh, that that which moved Ahab uh, is still moving men today. Uh, and there is a spirit of Jezebel uh, that has been emboldened and empowered in recent months and recent years. Uh, and what we have witnessed is this, uh, because of not the world embracing it, uh, but because the church in America as well as other places of the world uh, that began to embrace embrace Jezebel into the platform, uh, into the choir loft, into the Sunday school department. Uh, listen, uh, we are nothing more than a modern day Samaria. And God said, I can't bless it. Uh, I've got to lift my anointing. Uh, that's why there's no conviction on a Sunday morning. Uh, that's why there's no desire to be in the house of God on a Sunday night. Uh, that's why the churches are sitting empty on Wednesday because everything else is important uh, because of the simple fact, uh, the lifting and the convicting draw of the Holy Ghost uh, has been lifted not off the world. Yes, it's still here moving and dealing with the hearts of men uh, but we come to religious sanctuaries uh, Sunday after Sunday. Uh, we sing our song. Uh, we applaud our preacher and then we say we did our rightful duty uh, but we have no conviction. Uh, we have no tear-stained altars. Uh, we have no men of God and women of God laying between the porch and the altar Then it's because uh, we have lost our way. Uh, we are nothing more than men that have done the same thing that Ahab did. Uh, we have fallen in love with Jezebel uh, because she looks pretty. Uh, she sounds pretty. Uh, she's enticing. Uh, all of these things. Uh, the flesh likes Jezebel. Uh, but then we find now, uh, we thought, well, we can handle it. Uh, we can handle it. Uh, but guess what? Uh, it began to grow underneath the rug. Uh, and now we've got Ahab's uh, that's bringing uh, Baal worship back to the center uh, of everything that we are uh, and you say oh that sounds dark and gloomy this morning uh, but can I tell you uh, in this season that we have been through uh, I come to tell you this morning uh, that what they don't even realize in this ceremony uh, God began to show me something uh, late last night uh, can I tell you uh, while they come in celebrating uh, in their arrogance saying uh, we are gods uh, we are able to do what we want uh, what they did not realize uh, 
is that in the midst of it, God sovereignly began to do something in the spirit. If you go back to that picture where they was removing the piece of metal off of this thing, as I began to go through this, I began to hear the word of the Lord says, don't be troubled by what you're seeing, but the season of famine is coming to a close, and what they don't realize is when they begin to dismantle what I'm getting ready to do in the earth, says the Lord, is I'm getting ready to dismantle the spirit of Baal worship, and I'm getting ready to bring back the voice of the prophet, and there is a sound of an abundance of rain that's about to sweep the earth. So I come this morning to tell you, it's not time to be religious, it's not time to go through the formalities, but it's time to begin to prepare for an abundance of rain, because there is something that is stirring, there is something that is moving. I didn't come with a big message today, I just come to tell you that the days of Ahab is coming to a close, and Jezebel is coming to a close, but there is a sound that's about to erupt in the earth, and it's about to come up out of the sea. The people of God, you and I must prepare for this hour. You say, but preacher, everything that's going on around us, notice Ahab became so emboldened that he thought nothing could stop what he was doing. Defiling the very people in the land that he had been entrusted with. This behavior was only allowed for a season. When God said it was enough, it was enough. I hear the word of the Lord in my spirit very clearly this morning saying enough is enough. Please hear me. God in all of his love brought judgment upon his people so that they could experience correction. Most of you are familiar with this story. And you will find that when Elijah began to pray and the people, they bowed down and they worshiped. And they said, God really is who he says he is. Things began to change. The prophet said, Ahab, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. But before he spoke to Ahab, he had first told the people, grab the 450 prophets of Baal and utterly destroy them. I do not say this with with glee or happiness because my heart is that all would come to repentance and find salvation because that is the heart of God. But there is individuals in this nation as well as other nations of the world that's getting ready to be grabbed and are going to be slew and utterly destroyed because of what they have given themselves to. And I'm going to say this this morning, and I'll go on record this morning and say it. It's not just political leaders and government leaders, but unfortunately it's men that's standing behind the sacred desk today that will not be standing there much longer. This morning, you hear me today. When God says it's enough, it's enough. 
we find ourselves today in a time of suddenly. Ahab said, we're just going to continue as we are. But notice, after the people grab, slew, and then worships the Lord, Ahab doesn't just go away. Ahab doesn't just quit. But Ahab still remained evil. Can I tell you, we're always going to deal with evil. But we can overpower evil. You see, the Lord even sometimes will use evil men to get his agenda done. And there's some evil people that God's getting ready to use to fulfill his desire for this time and this season. They may not meet your expectations. You may not be those that you approve of. But God's getting ready to use some people, and they don't even understand how and why. But you will find that when you begin to read in chapter number 19, that Ahab goes back and he begins to tell Jezebel, his wife, what had happened on Mount Carmel. All the prophets have been slew. The man of God, Elijah, prayed and fire came down from heaven. And he begins to speak to her and he's disturbed. And this lady sends word to the man of God and says, that which you have done to the prophets of Baal, I, by this time tomorrow, is going to ensure that the same happens to you. Fear gripped his heart. You know the story. He runs to the mountains. But after he's there for a little bit of time, the Lord says, you're not the only one. I've got a group that's reserved, that's not bowed their knee to Baal that you don't even know about. And I'm getting ready to do something new. But he said, I need you to be obedient to my voice. So you can't give place to fear this morning. No matter what God's speaking, doesn't even matter what the enemy's saying they're going to do to you. But you find that the Lord says this, I want you to go and I want you to return. And I want you to, I want you to go anoint Haziel to be the king over Syria. And I want you to take Jehu and I want you to anoint him to be king over Israel. But he said, and by the way, there's a, there's a little plowboy by the name of Elisha. I want you to go anoint him to be a prophet in your room. Now, upon doing that, we find that things began to progress. And Ahab is still married to Jezebel, and they're still scheming and doing what they do. And as evil as Ahab was, and even God used him to have victory through a couple of wars, if you read 19 and 20, I don't have time for that today. I've got to bring this to a close. But then Ahab got his eyes on something that the Lord said, that's it. It's a final straw. In chapter number 21, Ahab got his eyes on Naboth's vineyard. 
Anybody familiar with the story of Nabal's vineyard? It was beside his palace, and he said, I desire that. It looks beautiful. Naboth, I'll, I'll give you another piece of land, or I'll give you the value of it in gold, whatever. I'll, I'll buy it. I'll purchase it. And Naboth said, the Lord forbid me to give my inheritance. It's not lawful for me to give you what has been given to me. Now, Naboth discouraged because of the opposition, I'm sure. What am I going to do? King Ahab, he's trying to pressure me into doing something that I know is not lawful. I can't do it. But Ahab goes back home, speaks to Jezebel, his wife, again. And she begins to plot and scheme once again. And you know the story that she has an innocent man killed. She comes back and she tells Ahab and says this, Ahab, go down and take that vineyard that you want because Naboth's not there anymore. I want you to go back and take it. You haven't seen any interaction from 1 Kings chapter number 18 with Ahab and Elijah. You don't see him in 19. You don't see him in 20. It's obvious that the Lord had removed him from the scene for a season of time, but in 21, the Lord comes and visits Elijah again and says this, I want you to go stand at the gate of Naboth's vineyard and tell Ahab it's over for him. Now, there was other men of God because when you read 19 and 20, there's an unnamed man of God that was there that had witnessed and spoken to King Ahab before. He had an ear to hear what God was saying for a little while. It wasn't Elijah, though. It was an unnamed man. But in chapter 21, Elijah's back on the scene, and he simply says this. The moment that he sees the man of God, he says, oh, you found me. And he said, yes, I have. And he said, because of what you've done, he said, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, they will lick your blood as well, and Jezebel will be utterly destroyed. Now, why do I say all of that to say this? If you go to the north of us, into Canada, you will find that it was founded and established because men and women went searching for gold. And they said, we've got to establish a place. You go to the south of us, of our border, you will find that Mexico and all of that region, it was founded because men was looking for treasure and gold. The United States of America... That is not our testimony. That's not our story. Men did not come here searching for wealth. Men did not come here searching for gold and silver. But they come here for a place of freedom to worship. Not Baal. Not Allah. But the one true living God. And I come to tell you this morning, this is why I believe things have changed, is because of the simple fact, while the United States of America is not perfect, and we have some dark days in our history, but I will tell you this, that we are a vineyard in the eyes of the Lord. And Ahab, I wish I could deliver this how I feel this morning, but Ahab has went too far. And Jezebel has overplayed her hand. And they have began now in the earliest form 
of began to take away the innocent life of our nation. And with the curriculum in the school system, with the, the ideology of Planned Parenthood and others, when they began to touch the innocence of this vineyard, just like when Ahab naturally touched Naboth then, because of what has happened in the last several months, they have overplayed their hand, and I believe this with all of my heart, and I will stand on record, and if this is not true, I will come and stand here and tell you I was wrong. But in my spirit today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I'm telling you is correct, and that is this, that because of what they have done in recent days and what they're trying to do even now, that there is a return of the Elijah anointing that's getting ready to speak on behalf of America because the vineyard has been touched and God says, you can't touch my vineyard. Can I tell you, we're not perfect. And I know a lot of people will say this, oh, America's not mentioned in prophecy in the last day. I get all of that stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. There is a part that we're playing and our part is not done yet because can I tell you, we're still producing more Bibles than any other nation. We're still evangelizing more than anybody else. We are still touching the world in a manner that nobody else ever would or could. But right now, you will not listen to this and you will not hear this on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC or any other thing. You will not find this on your favorite news app because it's all doom and gloom and dark and everything's falling apart. But can I tell you there is something happening in the spirit uh, as I bring this to a close uh, and I got to tell you, you got to get the junk out of your ears, uh, get it out of your heart and realize this, that the God that you are serving, uh, he is still almighty all powerful and all authority uh, and when people began to touch the nation as they've touched it in recent days, uh, even in the last week, in the last seven, uh, seven days uh, of, the, of the erotic behavior that has happened. And this is not a political statement. Uh, I don't care if you like them, don't like them, doesn't matter. You can do what you want to with it. Uh, but when the audacity of a sitting administration will go into a former president and do what they've done uh, because they think they can. Can I tell you what they're doing? They've been moved by a Jezebel spirit. Uh, they're nothing more than Ahab's. Uh, but what they don't realize is this. It's not about the man. It's about the nation. It's about the land. It's about the soil. It's about the vineyard. It's about the fruit on the vine. Uh, listen, Naboth was taking care of it. He was cutting it. He was grooming it. He was making sure it was prosperous. Uh, but now all of a sudden everything's dying. Calling. Why? Because uh, they have removed the Naboth. But can I tell you, just because Naboth is gone doesn't mean it's over. Uh, just because the generation before us has died and gone to glory doesn't mean it's over. Uh, but can I tell you, there's some Elijahs that's arising up uh, and they're about to lay hands on some Elishas and there's a double portion anointing about to come back to the nation that we call home. You better just prepare for rain because that bull is coming apart and the glory of God is about to settle down. Somebody ought to give him a shout of praise this morning because we are getting ready to experience something. Stand with me all over the house this morning. I'm done. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to just begin to talk to the Lord this morning right now. Listen, I, I don't have an agenda this morning. He la basoto kolobashata, he kolobasata. 
Hilama soto kolobashite kolobasata. Hikalaba soto kolobasata. Hilaba soto kolobasata. Holama soto kolobasata. Hilaba soto kolobasata. Hilaba soto kolobasata. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we stand in your presence, Lord. Oh, I pray this morning, Lord. Pray for the freshness of your Holy Spirit to settle down upon every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Lord, I pray right now that there would not be a spirit of weariness upon your people. Lord, I pray that the heaviness would be lifted and they would rest in knowing that you have not forsaken and you have not forgotten. And Lord, while there is a season of much movement taking place, Lord, we stand and we put our trust in you and only you. Lord, this morning, Lord, we stand and we worship you. But Lord, in this attitude of worship, we also stand in a place where we're not ashamed to simply say, oh, we need you. Today, Lord, today, Lord, Let this be the day where the return of the prophetic voice comes that gives way to the consuming fire of God. Let me remind you this morning, right now, in this moment, what men of God before us have said concerning him. If you were to read Deuteronomy chapter number 4, verse number 24, you would see Moses saying this, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. If you would read 9 and verse 3 in the book of Deuteronomy, you would find that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before you as a consuming fire. If he was to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, you once again would be reminded, for our God is a consuming fire. How do we experience this move of God in this very moment we must come back to that which Elijah did Elijah there he sees it he's listened to it he's heard it all day but he says come here 
and he kneels down and he begins to take stones, 12 of them, begins to build, builds, builds, builds an altar. As he builds the altar, he didn't build it for a monument, but he built it for use. And he knelt down and he said, oh God, let these people know that everything I just did was at your word. I built it because you told me to build it. Built it because you told me to build it. Oh God, it's a day like no other. I need you to answer. Why did he ask him? Why did he tell the people of Israel? If Baal be God, let him answer by fire. If God be God, let him answer by fire. He knew Baal couldn't answer in that way. But he knew who his God was. He knew he was a consuming fire. So when he prayed, what he knew was going to happen, if I can build this thing, if I can humble myself before him, he's faithful to respond. And if he responds, I know how he's going to respond because that's who he is. He's going to respond as a consuming fire. And when he responded... That fire consumed the altar, the stones, the sacrifice, the flesh, all of the water. It took everything. Notice it brought a purification. I come to tell you this morning. You need to look around your life. And I guarantee you if you got stuff going on in your life. You know what they've done? You know what all the false prophets of the hour has done? They've been so loud and so noisy, they've destroyed your altar. It's in pieces. I don't have time. Well, I wanted to pray, but I didn't have time. But the day got away from me. I, I, I thought I'd do it this morning, but, but I woke up late. And, and I'll do it tonight, but then tonight something else came. And, and now, now this has been broken. It's laying in pieces. And then we wonder, well, God, where, where are you, God? Build it. Build it. And in this season, because of where we are prophetically, there is a consuming fire that's getting ready to come. There's no other religion. There's no other God with a little g that can respond like our God, who is the one true God. Because they're not what he is. And when that fire comes, it changes everything. Notice this. There would have never been the sound of an abundance of rain unless there was an atmosphere change. The atmosphere was changed because of the heat and the fire that came down through the atmosphere. Came down through the third heaven, the second heaven, the first heaven. Came down to the earth. It disturbed everything. And it caused there to be a shift. And when that shift came and the fire came, all of a sudden the prophet said, I hear what I need to hear. Maybe you don't hear it just yet. But 
this morning. This morning. In the wee hours of the morning. I heard. And then I thought, how fitting. I woke up this morning. I look out my door. And there's just a nice, gentle rain. I said, oh God. It's confirmation in my spirit. May not mean nothing to you. But God said, I'm just showing you in the natural what I'm getting ready to do in the spirit. I come to tell somebody this morning, and this ain't hype, this isn't fluff, but there's some wayward children getting ready to come home. There's some miraculous healing getting ready to take place in the house of God again. There is babies, children, and adults. It's getting ready to be ushered in to where they experience the supernatural miracle working power of God. So I'm not full of doom and gloom today. But I'm just preparing for rain. So before we leave this morning. I want to tell you to get your eyes off that. And I want to get your eyes on him. Because it's getting ready to rain. There's been a lot of things said about our Whitewater Valley. There's been a lot of things, a lot of strongholds, a lot of stuff. But listen. There is some things getting ready to change. The man of God in Revelation chapter 11, he caught a glimpse. The Lord took him out. And he saw the great whore. He saw a woman riding a beast. It was scarlet in color. She was arrayed in purple. Now. If you was to go back and look at the other picture that they had up earlier, you'll find that there was a lot of scarlet. Scarlet represents blood. It also represents persecution. Much of that pertains in Revelation chapter 17. It pertains to the nation of Israel. I don't have time to go into all of this today like I'd like to, but I can tell you this, that all of the behavior that we see with Russia, Iran, and, and China and others... They're all moving, and they're moving very quickly and rapidly. Things happening behind closed doors where they're getting ready. They're getting ready. Israel's getting ready to experience some great persecution. But can I tell you, she's going to stand. Because Baal doesn't have any ability. But as we're preparing for rain, I'm going to tell you something. We got to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and the protection of Israel. We got to pray that way. Revelation 17, when you're looking at that, you also find that she was arrayed in purple, meaning this. It represents, it really represents the strongholds of the dominion that religions have held over areas. And that's what she's simply saying, and I'm, I'm riding in with dominion. I'm riding in with power. And I come to tell you, it's getting ready to be broken. Because when that fire comes and the rain comes, it changes everything. So they think they've got this thing figured out. They think that they're in control. 
And when I say they, I'm painting with a broad brush for the sake of time this morning. But can I tell you, the purple is getting ready to be removed. And the royal blue of heaven is getting ready to be displayed in a manner that we've never seen in our lifetime. Because there's a transition getting ready to happen that's going to go from glory to glory to glory. But it only happens when a man or a woman will build the altar and prepare for rain. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you can take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms and don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.